Carbino juice. Lower Van Crackers. A hollow sweet program. Junger stick. And gambling tokens. Now, at least two of these items must be used and fully enjoyed before you leave this facility. Julian, I'll I... be giving you a full report of her activities, Doc. And if I hear you didn't completely relax and enjoy yourself tonight, we'll do this every night until you do. <sighs> Have fun. Looks like you've got your evening all planned. Hope you've got room for the unexpected. Hello, and welcome to Snap Trek, the Star Trek podcast where we compare two episodes of the best science fiction franchise this side of the Cardassian border, Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Jen Tips, and I'm joined as always by our chief pun officer, Ross Webster. <laughs> Hello. Ross, hi, how, how are, are you? you? I feel like I should give hi. a pun out now, but you've really caught me off guard. <laughs> I did, I'm sorry. <laughs> Got you by surprise. God, I'll be thinking about this on recording. I'm sure, well, that's why you're the chief pun officer. I'm sure you will just naturally think of one during the course of, at least one during the course of this You're really mounting on the pressure now. This is, (laughs) can we start again? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. And so today's a little bit special because I'm not just joined by Ross today. Today, I'm also joined by a special guest, friend of the show, Rick Everson. Rick, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Hi, I'm brilliant. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Of course. It's great to have you. Very welcome. And and Rick, um, tell us a little bit. You have a podcast too, the 10 Backward Podcast, which is excellent. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's, thank you. Yeah, um, 10 Backward is me and three co-hosts, um, Rick, Will, and Gemma. We just, we just pick a subject and have a bit of a discussion about it it can be fairly random we can go from pets to um the first season of enterprise or something i think uh i think one time we interviewed an astro um astrobiologist so uh, it kind of it's, it's all over the place really but yeah it's, it's normally some fairly good fun some irreverent takes on on some good star trek some really really great people too mm-hmm. really really great co-hosts and mm-hmm. and of course you and any and some fun Really fun conversations, so check, get, check that out if, if you get a chance. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Very unusual. I don't think I know this game. What's it called? Chula. What are the rules? On Snap Trek, we compare two episodes of Star Trek using a variety of categories, and for each category, we select a scene or a character or an idea or a prop which we think is great, and we award a point to the answer that we think is the best. Aggressive. Adversarial. Competition. For fun. In Snapchat, we play for points, but we don't play to win. We play just for fun. The only prize is a great conversation about Star Trek and hopefully considering two episodes from different angles and different points of view. Okay. The best way to get in touch with us is on Twitter. We're at Snaptrack, and we are very happy to hear from you. Uh, any thoughts, opinions, ideas, and especially any Star Trek 
themed poetry uh, you may have. Um, and you can also get a hold of me on Twitter. I'm at Ida Clarks. Ross, how can people get a hold of you? You can get in touch with me, uh, Taborg at STRTRK1701, also on Twitter. Okay, and Rick, how can everybody get a hold of you? I am on the Twitters at TrekFanRick, uh, or on my podcast Twitter is at 10Backward. That's great. And uh, Rick is a, is a very good Twitter follow. I, I encourage everyone to follow him. I enjoy uh, I enjoy your post about Star Trek, but I also enjoy your, your – sometimes you'll post in the morning like a, like a – like an optimistic <laughs> like it helps that you, you i guess you guys are about like f what five hours ahead of me so sometimes mm. <laughs> i'll wake up and be like oh rick's already you know ran a 5k and baked muffins and <laughs> taught his child how to read this <laughs> is like motivation for me to start my day <laughs> and you're almost single-handedly responsible for me using the word flip occasionally which i never used to do before <laughs> but now, now i'll say flip every now and then it's one of my most flipping used words. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I lo I love it. I really enjoy that. So yeah, so everyone, everyone follow Rick. He's a really great follow. All right, so this this episode is is a little different since we have our special guest here today. So Ross and Rick will each be champion champion championing championing. Yeah, championing. <laughs> championing. Championing. <laughs> championing an episode uh and i will just be uh the moderator today uh or as ross referred to me as the arbiter of succession <laughs> which I, I really like that title so i'm gonna go with that um and i also think i will be rewarding points also because i get to make the rules as the arbiter of succession <laughs> so all three of us will be awarding points today all right in this episode of Snap Trek, we will feature episodes where Starfleet captains are forced to work with Cardassians, played by Mark Alimo, <laughs> in order to track down rogue Star Starfleet officers who are on the run in order to fulfill vendettas against the Cardassians, whom they believe, correctly, are arming themselves against their interests. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely perfect. And we should say that this was this is Rick's choice. He came up yes. with these two, Rick, and they are perfect great. to watch together. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, in a way, they're almost the same episode. So. Yes, they very much very, are. Very, very close <laughs> in so many ways. The, the, the fact Mark Alimo plays a different Cardassian in each one, but pretty much the same Cardassian, really. And, and it's just, the yeah. same role. You know, yeah. But the same thing he's doing as that Cardassian. <laughs> Baffling, brilliant, well, love it. Well, Gol Gol does does keep things a little bit more close, a little bit closer to the chest here than uh, Gol Dukat. We still see Gol Dukat get a little bit emotional. Yeah, we one. do a little bit. Uh... <laughs> but then we know yeah. him so well; he doesn't need to be reserved in yeah. front of Cisco. You know, they're, they're all friends. True, yeah, 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 <laughs> friends. <laughs> <laughs> friends is generous. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you, Rick, for coming up with this and some wonderful categories. Uh, this is, is going to be a good one. Um, all right, guys. So what episodes uh, did you watch? Uh, Rick, tell us which episode. I had the pleasure of watching Deep Space Nine's third season offering, Defiant. 
Okay, and Ross, how about you? And comparatively, I was lucky enough to watch TNG Series 4 episode, The Wounded. Love it. (laughs) So yeah, pretty much the exact same episodes. (laughs) Yes. You get a bit more Riker in the DS9 one, bizarrely. Yeah, it's, it's like, you know you know what the wounded needed? More Riker. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard to argue with that. Yeah. In fairness, I say that about almost every episode. <laughs> more same, same here, Rick. I am a Riker stan, so I am with you. Maybe Second Chances had just enough Riker. Uh... <laughs> they could have added a third Riker for yeah. I would have been fine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, no, you, you, that's a good point. We, <laughs> there were at least one, maybe two Rikers short on that episode. <laughs> and always be more Rikers. All right. Commander, I would like to remind you about my poetry reading this afternoon. I wouldn't miss it for the world. I can't wait to see what he's come up with. As always, we begin each podcast with a lyrical recap of the episodes under discussion. All right, Ross, uh, would you like to read your lyrical recap for The Wounded? I've uh, I've written my recap in the style of O'Brien's Ballad, which he sings with oh Captain Maxwell. Um, <laughs> he's the minstrel boy. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a bit somber, Wonderful. but uh, yeah, you know, it yeah. does the job. Does the job. And I call it, it Stompy's Recap. <laughs> oh, Stompy. <laughs> R.I.P. Stompy. I, I'm tempted to sing it, but I'm probably just going to say it. Oh, sing it, sing it. Sing it. Uh, okay, I'm going to sing it. And if it goes <laughs> hey. terribly wrong, I'm going to say it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, you ready? I've got to stop smiling. I'm so ready. <laughs> Captain Maxwell, now rogue, has gone. The phoenix is running silent. Cardassians he hath fired upon, engaged in wanton violence. Perhaps driven by his family line, or lost at Setlick 3. A favourite song sung by O'Brien, he's right though Picard can see. That was awesome! That was amazing! Wow, I'm glad you liked it. It took me a long time to write that. Wow, I'm impressed. Yeah. (laughs) That was really good. Oh, it really caught the spirit, too, of of the the seriousness. It it is quite sad. The the summer. Next time, I've got to do a funny one. It's got to be funny. (laughs) Got to balance it out. It's got to be hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, well, this episode definitely called for the more somber tone, I think. Just a touch, just a touch. But there is some crazy stuff we can talk about. Yeah. All right. And uh, Rick, I would love to hear your lyrical recap for Defiant. Okay, I've not gone quite as clever as Ross, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Riker arrives on Deep Space Nine, wooing Kira and having a great time, wanting to see the tough little ship. And then he allows the mask to slip. It is not Will, but Tom instead, tearing his beard from the side of his head. He takes Defiant to fight for the Marquis, while Sisko must help his old enemy. So Kira questions Tom about his mission. His best response is she shouldn't go fishing. He's convinced to quit and turn himself in, to spare the crew, as he's not good at terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. 
<laughs> that was really excellent. I'm so impressed with it. <laughs> and you also like literally recapped the whole episode, which yes. is nice. Because <laughs> theoretically, that's what we're trying to do here. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was really good. Was I like that. Right. One day I'll bring all these times together into a big, a big book. Because these, yeah, are, some of these are just great. Yeah, and that was yeah, a particularly good one. The big snapshot book of poetry. I would buy that. that yes. That's it. That's what it's all about. Oh, that's great. Well, you probably all get a free right. copy now. You've got a poem in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and you say there isn't a prize to be won on this show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So, all right. Let's get started with... Um, our first category, we're going to do five rounds, and our first category is the best renegade officer. Let's hear about these rogue rogue men here. Uh, Rick, um, would you like to give your pick? Okay. The best renegade officer in the Defiant. In Defiant. I'm sorry, I always say the Defiant. <laughs> so my best renegade is Tom Riker. Um, okay. How can you beat a Riker? Um, it's, it's just, he's just fantastic through this whole episode. He turns up on the station being, trying to be, well, pretending to be Will Riker, being the full-on charming Will Riker, um, uh, chatting up Major Kira, piling on all the Riker charm and general loveliness and, um, sorry, I was just getting a bit lost in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, he is charming though, isn't he? <laughs> he is, yeah. Um playing to his strengths <laughs> <laughs> he does yeah um yeah. and then all of a sudden bam he, sh he shoots kira and steals the defiant what's going on um <laughs> it's it's so it, i just love the moment with the big reveal um when the, the most it's like the most they could get freaks to do to accommodate playing a different character is to shave down <laughs> to a goatee <laughs> but they give the moment so much drama they have the dramatic music swells. It pans around as he strips those sideburns off. It's, it's so strange, but it's so good. It's yeah. iconic now, isn't it? It's absolutely oh, iconic. iconic. And it, it sounds silly, but it really does. That really is all we need to know, that mm. this is the evil twin. Yes. <laughs> to remove the yeah. sideburns. <laughs> like, oh, now I know what's going on. This is Tom Riker. <laughs> and the actual reveal is 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 five seconds earlier when the Marquis Helmswoman calls him Tom. Oh, right, right. And it's like, actually, Tom Riker didn't have fake beardy parts he pulled off all the time. So it's like, it's almost redundant. But the drama of the moment <laughs> is so good. Um, it's so funny. And beyond the, the beauty of that reveal, um, I I just like carrying on with Tom's story that he's, he, why has he turned on the Federation? He's got no connection. This isn't personal revenge. He's, um, he's, I don't know whether he thinks he's come back from years isolated on that planet to find a Federation that's lost his way and wants to join the Marquis to set things straight. But ultimately, it's all about being different to Will Riker. Um, and I, I just really like the whole way through. He keeps pushing and pushing and trying to be different until finally Kira talks him down. Um, by point out, it's not about your, what you're doing is just trying to be different to that Will Riker, but you need to be a Starfleet officer, and that's what pulls him back at the end. So, uh, but I just really enjoy him the whole way through. I think it's yeah. really wonderful that they actually 
they they fool the audience as well all the way up to the reveal. You know, mm. you think he is Will Riker all the way through as well, and you have no reason to suspect he isn't. And it's it's quite a turnaround, really. That's a, a really clever, a really clever sort of narrative structure to 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 trick us like that. I thought it was great. Yeah, and uh, using all of all of Riker's skills, but for evil, <laughs> or maybe not evil, but the wrong kind of good. I don't know. It's very complicated. Yeah, but um, I mean, he keep, he maintains so much Riker drama as well through it. He's got some some excellent, unnecessarily dramatic lines, like the ship was made to fight. It's about time she got a chance. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're right too. Like like Kira's got his number. Like she 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 when she you know she basically says you're just trying to, you know, separate yourself from the other Riker, and mm. you don't need to. You know, you don't need to do that. <laughs> but that's really what his motivation is, you know, less so than the actual cause. Yeah, there's, there's um, almost an irony that Kira is completely fooled by him when he's pretending to be charming Will yeah. Riker. But as soon as she realizes, oh, he's a marquee terrorist, she's like, actually, you're not that great at being a terrorist, are you? And she's totally <laughs> sussed him. It's because the charm is innate. That's pure Riker. He can't, mm. he can't get rid of that. It's the terrorism he's having to practice. Yeah, that's why. That's how she figures him out. But the the irony is, he's better at pretending to be Will Riker than he is <laughs> oh. at being the Tom Riker he's trying to be. Tragic. Yeah, yeah. Uh. But well, I mean, he's not pretending to be Will Riker when he's doing that stuff because he. I mean, he's charm. He's he has that same innate charm charmness that Will does. That because he was born with that. That didn't mm. happen. He didn't. He didn't learn how to do that after you know the the split, the transporter split. And he thinks on his feet as well, which is great. Mm. Yeah. You see yeah. him when he's chatting to all the, the staff on Deep Space Nine. He's naming, right. you know, name dropping or remembering them. Obviously, yeah. have to like, figure all this out because mm. he's met them yeah. all before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because, you know, like, like Dax, he's like, oh yeah, that night's a blur, you know, <laughs> trying to you know to get out of it. So it's yeah, yeah. And of course, the O'Brien thing, but I think we'll talk about that later, yes. probably. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, because he's yeah, he's got all that's the same innate qualities that that Will has. Yeah, and he, so he's trying to be something that he's not mm. when he's doing the terrorist thing. That's not. I don't think that's who he is. I think the other part is really who he is. You know. Yeah. So it's 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 an interest. It's a great character piece of a man trying to separate himself from yeah. from well however from his own copy or who he's a copy of however you define it um <laughs> and it's all the fun of a familiar character while being a different character as well yeah so it's like yeah, it's a right like guest star but it's not but it is <laughs> and and i really like him and kira together yeah they Very had a great rapport and good chemistry great chemistry yeah and they can understand each other, you know, in a in a, in a way, in an odd way. Even just not just like him trying to be a terrorist, which she's obviously <laughs> way way better at him, you know, than him and has a lot more experience. But, um, but I think there's there's just that trying to find trying to find your way when life throws you really really you know shitty curveballs mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, they they both you know have have experience there and and i i would have i would have really liked to have seen more of those two together like if you know she says i i promise we'll, we'll get you back or whatever she says and and we never hear yes. from them again <laughs> but no, I an, un, unfulfilled it. promise 
Yeah, I would like to see a follow up mm-hmm. and a reunion. Yeah. Not only does she promise that, he then goes up and kisses her. This is like heroic oh, classic yeah. romance stuff. I'm just like, oh, why was this never followed up on? I know, and it was such a good kiss too. I mean, not like okay, it's okay. I, I have to. I, I, All right, full disclosure. A a, yeah, it's full disclosure. <laughs> I, I'm in love with Riker, but also, I mean, the way Kara leans into that kiss, she was really into it. You know, I really, really wish we got to see a follow up. Yeah. You know, they were both really into it. <laughs> forget forget Bariah Larodo, Kira, and Tom Riker. Yeah. That's what we should have had. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, I like her with Varial too. Would have been oh, very man. compelling. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, but they're an interesting duo. But yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely Tom Riker <laughs> is a great renegade officer. Yeah. But Ross, you've got you've got a pretty interesting character too uh, in the Wounded. Well, I have actually a runner-up. He. Okay. Very, he makes actually only a brief appearance as a mildly renegade officer. It would be Glenn Teller. That's Cardassian aide. He's a bit of a red Cardassian, which you don't often see. And he is accessing the Enterprise's weapon systems, and Merset confines him to quarters. Uh, Picard considers the matter closed, but Merset will likely punish him further. So that was just a, that's just the, the only other person who was even mildly a renegade. I well, think. I kind of, I kind of thought though that he was doing it under orders and just got caught. Oh yeah, yeah. presumably. And then Goldman said, "Oh, oh, well, don't worry, I'll punish him." Yeah, you know. But now he's gonna get punished for getting caught, presumably. <laughs> right, yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Punished for one or the other. <laughs> so the main renegade, the main man of the episode, is Captain Ben Maxwell, and we talk a lot about him, but he doesn't actually appear until about half an hour into the episode. Um. We already have quite a good sense of the man. Twice honoured with the Federation's highest citation for valour. Did lose his family in a tragic ambush on Setlick 3. A decorated and respected officer who feels he's responding to like a proper threat. But it does seem like his personal motivations are clouding his judgement. He, he makes some questionable calls. And all the way through the episode, we all know he's going about this the wrong way. And it's... It's kind of tragic to watch the man sort of fall from grace because you build, they build him up as a as well respected, well liked. They get O'Brien in there to talk about what a, what a great person he was and how how brilliant he was serving under him. And really, what you see is that then be taken apart first by Picard when Picard sort of summarily dismisses all of his concerns, and then later by the situation when he just can't. There's nowhere for him to go. He is in the wrong. Even if he's right, he can't prove himself right, and he's just going to have to, just going to have to go with it. So he was a renegade, a genuinely rene- a genuine renegade. He's he's taking the ship into, uh, taking the ship somewhere it shouldn't be. He's destroying other vessels, and um, even when he's ordered directly to return to Starbase Two Eleven, he does not. Goes off to kill more Cardassians. So a genuine renegade in every sense of the word but a fairly tragic figure because it's not like, you know, an upbeat character we've been spending some time with and we're seeing another another version of. It's just he's had a bad time. This is his sort of breakdown. It's pretty harsh. Well, everything's quiet. <laughs> yeah, we do kind of... I mean, we, we, there are two sides of him, though, because, I mean, you, you got to wonder if he didn't lose his family in such a tragic way. 
if he would have just gone on being the you know decorated captain you know <laughs> that yeah. o'brien started with and knew absolutely um, you'd hope so you know yeah so and they do it's, make it's just, his they, they make that loss like a big part of his motivation all the way through right it's, it's highlighted really early on and it's yeah. only at the very end when he sort of accepts that this is what's motivating him to act right. in this way rather than you know his responsibilities and his consideration of what's appropriate that's when he decides to stop when he's realized it himself um, right Otherwise, he seems he's a fairly downbeat kind of guy, except when he does do an Irish impression when he first meets O'Brien on the Enterprise. Makes a, does an Irish accent and makes a reference to the Blarney Stone, which I am not going to attempt to replicate here, but it was very bad. It was very bad. <laughs> O'Brien seems cool with it. He seems to well, really, he's probably uh, had it a really lot like that. Yeah. Probably getting that. He seems to give this guy a pass because he seems yeah. to really respect him. And, Absolutely. And, yeah, but I mean, you see a lot of similarities between him and Tom Riker. You know, just the the two paths that they both could have taken. Yeah, um, with one change, you know, they've both gone in a different change. direction. Yeah, and and they both do kind of like you said. You know, he when he realizes what his motivation is, I think it was the same way with Tom, too. Like they both just needed that self-realization you know of what they were doing um, yeah but yeah oh it's so uh, but you can imagine i mean i feel really bad for this guy i felt know, quite bad for him as well yeah and it's uh and i mean quite a down it doesn't justify what he did <laughs> no it doesn't you know he, he's he's um, he's he, he knows he's doing it. the wrong thing yeah. from the outset he knows it's wrong and there's a way of doing it he just doesn't want to do it like that he wants to get in the thick of things and cause a problem. He thinks that might might rile people up and get things done more quickly, but he knows he shouldn't be doing that. He knows it's wrong. Because there was a way to handle that, too, if you really did you know, suspect that the Cardassians were building up this military base, which it turns out they were. And let the bureaucrats <laughs> read reports for six months. <laughs> Sometimes it's how you got to do it, yo. <laughs> But, Sounds yeah. like a bureaucrat oh, yeah. talking. Yeah, but I did. I did like that he wasn't as a character for character wise. I, I really liked that he he listened to O'Brien. He wasn't like so far gone that he wouldn't listen to reason. You know what I mean? Like he didn't go out in a like neither one of these guys. They didn't go out in, in a blaze of glory. No, they both. You know, they both accepted their fate, and I thought that was an interesting way to go you know yeah it's like de- demonstrates like a degree of personal honor and personal respect yeah that even though yeah. I, I you know i've recognized i've done the wrong thing i'm turning right. myself in and it's it's going to be better all around that i've done this oh it's so so i really feel like quite depressed having talked about this having talked about <laughs> best renegade officer I hope, I hope the next topic is a bit more upbeat yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. oh my goodness all right so as far as points go, Rick, what do you, where do you think your points going for this round? Uh, I mean, I, I I struggle because I know I've got some innate Riker bias. Yeah, and I think, <laughs> I think in a way Maxwell's reasons behind that is there's much more personal tragedy, and you kind of have a lot more sympathy towards that. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, what both of them are following up on something that turns out to be right in the end. So mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah. I want to give Maxwell a little bit more credit because he was 
his, you know, his, his reason, his, his ultimate reason was sound, even if they weren't about it the wrong way. Um, I, do, I just really like it when he says to Picard, smells musty in here, like a bureaucrat's office. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> but I think, I think probably, um, yeah, I'm going to have to go for Riker because um, it's Riker. And for all the reasons I said earlier about Riker, it's just, it's just really excellent. Yeah. Yeah. No, I gotcha. Ross, how about you? I think I am also going to go with Riker because I feel like his tragedy is, it's different, but it's nonetheless personal and it set him on a path which perhaps he wouldn't have been, but we know he wouldn't have been otherwise. And, yeah. you know, just getting another dose of Riker. It is fun, and I think there's a difference here. Captain Maxwell, it's quite... He's quite a sad figure, quite a tragic figure. Whereas Riker, there is tragedy there, but there's also humour and fun and appeal. You know, as characters go, you'd want to spend an afternoon with uh, Tom Riker, perhaps more than Ben Maxwell. <laughs> so I reckon yeah. the best renegade officer, probably Riker. He had a plan I- as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I, I feel bad for Maxwell, but I think my points go to Riker too. I cannot give point. but but yeah, I, I really enjoyed his plan. He had a really good plan. What a great idea to to you know, oh, I'm I'm you know, Will Riker on vacation. I'm just gonna weasel my way into getting a tour of this this ship that I can steal. <laughs> Hijacking the Defiant. That's pre- that's a pretty badass plan. It's I gotta pretty say. Good. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I think, yeah, I think Maxwell was just caught off guard and suddenly flying the ship into Cardassian space and doing whatever he can. Yeah. And and he's like sad. And yeah. And and like I mean and Maxwell's backstory is really, really sad and mm-hmm. really, really tragic. Um, but so is Tom's, like you were saying. And 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 we know that's we had a whole episode where we heard his tragic story you know mm-hmm. so so i you know i feel really a lot of sympathy for tom Riker, um and, and i feel sympathy for maxwell too but but man i mean they're they're both i it's just it's it's Riker, and he he may not be our will Riker, but i still feel uh like he's part of the Part of the family, maybe the black sheep of the family, but he's still if, part if of the helps, family. <laughs> I think I think Maxwell would have chosen Riker as well because he obviously <laughs> really liked him when they met each other on the Enterprise. Hell of a job you did there, Riker. Gave him the old handshake. Yeah, yeah. He he's conceding the points. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So first round down, uh, Defiant comes out early, uh, three to nothing. So let's see, but let's see what we can do. Uh, let's go next. Um, let's, you know what? Let's talk talk about these these starships. Let's talk about the best starship gone rogue. Um, Ross, would you like to start us off for the wounded? Okay, the best starship gone rogue. The Captain Maxwell is the captain of the Phoenix. NCC 65420. I did not read that. I had to memory out for that number. Um, <laughs> it's a Nebula-class starship, which is just a, sort of a gorgeous variation on the classic Constellation... Uh, not Constellation. Galaxy-class design. Um, a beautiful-looking ship. He takes it on silent running to destroy a variety of 
military outposts from his perspective, science stations or warships or transports, whatever they might be. Um, and the Phoenix seems to make short work of any battle scenario. Uh, and from what we can see, it only has one crew member. He's the only person <laughs> bored. Uh, he must be the first officer. Yeah, no, it's just him. It's just him at the top. Mm-hmm. No one else is on there. Um, Everyone else looked a bit bureaucratic, so we kicked him off. Yeah, we put them in the brig. He hates bureaucrats. The one it does have a weakness, though. It uses a high-energy sensor system, which cycles every 5.5 minutes, providing a 50th of a second window, which anyone well-versed in transporter technology can beam across into. So it's a beautiful ship. We don't get to see that much of it. We see one single crew member, which is Captain Maxwell, and later on... O'Brien exploits his knowledge of its deficiencies to win the day. So it's a good ship and it destroys a lot of Cardassians, but it probably shouldn't have done that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, So, my, I I present to you the Phoenix. I don't have that much else to say about it. I feel like it's it's gorgeous. It is. I, I really like the, the Nebula class design. We see it a couple other, we see a couple other Nebula Mm -hmm. class ships along the way. I think they're, I think they're they're pretty. <laughs> that's a scientific term. <laughs> that's, that's an engineering term. Pretty. <laughs> Gorgeous. It's lovely. Uh, they are. They are. All right. All right. So that's that's a pretty cool ship. If you're going to go out on a quest uh, for vengeance against Cardassians, oh, um, and we've got another one in Defiant, right? Uh, Rick, what I said, I said Riker. <laughs> Tom Ricker is his name in the chat here, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I have to give him credit for that one. Um, so, yes, but Rick, please tell us about the best starship gone rogue in Defiant. It is the Defiant. Um, although I toyed with the idea of picking up one of those Obsidian Order ships, but I didn't really think Ooh. I'd make much of it. So, so yeah, the Define, our tough little ship, which actually Tom Riker says here before Will says it in First Contact, which I thought was an interest, interesting yeah. uh, little bit of trivia. Ooh. Yeah, that's a really nice uh, like connection it. between mm. the Riker's. I, um, I kind of feel like, although the Define is introduced at the beginning of Series 3 in The Search, it's very built up, but it's kind of quickly overrun by the Jemadan. We don't really get to see a shine, whereas this is a bit more of a as a, a, of a fun debut for her as a as more of an ass-kicker, I think. Um, yeah. Tom puts the ship through her paces. I mean, I appreciate in this episode there's a lot of tactical map kind of battles, and we don't really see the, the full-on effects, um, effects budget-blowing moments, but we see a little bit. Um, and I like that the Defiant's got this reputation already. When... Um, when they pulled Descartes in for a meeting to, to, to explain what's happened, he's kind of sat there a little bit bored, not really bothered. It's like, oh, what's this about? So well, he's got the Defiant, and he just looks, oh, my, no, that's the most powerful ship in the world. What have you done? And I love terrified. that. That was great. You could yeah. really see his, his eyelids moving. I thought that was a, a good little, it looked really crazed, I thought, at that point. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like the Defiant has already got this amazing reputation through the Quadrant, which I really like. Um, and with good reason. You know, she's got the quantum torpedoes, which, again, is something like maybe not everyone remembers these debut here rather than in first contact. So mm. we see her we see a kicking some ass through this episode, taking on all those um, Kardashian ships. Um, and despite um, Kira's efforts to sabotage, she keeps going, she keeps going. 
um, until ultimately, yeah, there's sort of they're looking at 15 ships against just them, and they kind of have to back up. And Riker is talked down. Um, and I always remember that bit near the end when um, they have to rendezvous with the Cardassian ship, the Kraxon, and it goes near to the Kraxon, and the shields go up around it. And that's when you first realise, I think, the Defiant's actually really tiny. Mm. And I, don't, I, don't, I never appreciated that until I was until I first saw Defiant. I thought, oh, she's 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 tiny. When you, you actually get a sense of scale against another ship for the first time. Um, and I just think, you know, that tiny little ship is really powerful. And so, uh, yeah, I think this is a really nice, a really nice episode to show her going through her paces and uh, really get get the message out that the Defiant is a ship that it's not like anything we've seen before. What I what I really like is the value that they place on the 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 cloak because mm. it's a unique piece yeah. of technology which the Federation doesn't usually have and the Cardassians don't usually have. And here it's on display at best use, and he's stolen the ship partially because it's so powerful, but partially because it has a functional cloak, which is you know unheard of in the Federation. What a great piece of technology! If you're going to attack somebody and you need to do it stealthily, choose a ship with a cloak. <laughs> yeah, and I love that the Obsidian Order knew that the Defiant had a cloak. <laughs> yeah, I, I assume so. I'm, I'm never entirely convinced one way or the other if she's just like, oh yeah, 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 we totally knew about that. I wondered if you're going to tell us. <laughs> I was wondering that too. Then she turns okay, on scribbles she... on a notepad. They've got a cloak. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because she she well she oh she's just always trying to get one up on Gold Ducat too. So even just like you know having a poker face for for Cisco by saying that, but also just like oh yeah, I knew something you didn't know, Gold Ducat. You know, <laughs> but the way he reacts, like he takes the bait. He's he has no chill <laughs> whatsoever in this episode. No. Just like you knew they had a cloak. <laughs> oh yeah. You know he should if he wanted to get her, he should just pretend it like oh yeah yeah you know. Yeah. He does something very similar as Golmatef as well in The Wounded when they are watching on the screen a very similar sort of battle playing out with these little dots. And uh, he finds out that the Enterprise can read the transponder codes and he knows they know what kind of vessel it is. And he's really taken aback. Yes. He says it out loud, you can read our transponder codes? And Picard is so smug about it. He's like, that's hardly important right now. <laughs> but uh, we can do that. That's right. We are. We do have that power. Um, right. Uh, yeah. And it's the same sort of thing. And if he'd yeah. been a bit more, if he had a bit more self-control, he'd have quietly acknowledged that that was the case, without letting yeah. on that he didn't know already know that. Mm-hmm. Or that it was a big deal. Like he, you know, yes, like, like yeah. you, you, you should tick that off in your head. Like, oh crap, they know our transponder yeah, codes or exactly don't let them know that now i know they know yeah yeah no chill he just gives, yeah. <laughs> gives it away, away immediately yeah. oh that's funny all right two great ships mm. two great ships here i'm giving my point first because i'm sorry my point's going to the defiant i love that i really like the nebula class i like we see it again um you know not not the phoenix but we see other we see like the prometheus and um and what's the one that um, that data? Sutherland. Sutherland, yes. Um, there's, I'm, I'm sure there's more too, but um, but yeah, it's a great ship. But but the Defiant, this little compact, you know, like just machine Tear of apart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I just I love it. I love everything about it. Defiant gets my point. Ross, how about you? It's hard, isn't it? Because I don't want to give these just you know the familial points, but. 
The yeah. Defiant is unique among starships, isn't it? It's not like there's a whole yeah. a whole uh, uh, fleet of them. There's one Defiant. Oh, no, actually, they did make another one, didn't they? They made the, uh, the, the Valiant. As of this right is, now. Yes, there's only one at the yeah. moment. Um, yeah, it's unique. And I love the Nebula, and it looks it looks gorgeous. Yeah. But the Defiant is a ship in its own right. It's it's one of a kind. I love it. It's got to be Defiant. Rick, how about you? My point's going to go to the Phoenix. Ooh, Ooh I love it. I, I have been in love with the Nebula class since I first saw them. Um, I just really like, A, the, the, the variation on the Galaxy class, and I like how it echoes the um, the style, like the way the, um, the Miranda class is a variant on the Constitution, and they've sort of done the yeah. same thing with the nacelles under the saucer. I just think they look quite nice. Um, the they look a bit, a little bit more compact and interesting as well. I think um, uh, I, I'm always fascinated by what goes on with that pod that's over the top. Like, what, what's that for? What's what's in there? All sorts of <laughs> mysterious wonders, I imagine. <laughs> um, or in the Phoenix's case, that's where Maxwell's Maxwell stuck the rest Just of Maxwell's crew. office, yeah. <laughs> Big office, no one else there. Um, And also, um, because right at the minute, my little boy is absolutely in love with phoenixes. He's completely obsessed with them. So if I didn't pick the phoenix in this round, he'd be really sad. (laughs) A good choice. Yeah, that's so funny. Yeah, because I was um, wondering if if there was like if the Nebula class was all named like fire mythology because there's the phoenix and then the prometheus oh, yeah. but then you said oh. you said it was the sutherland i don't yeah. know the sutherland who, who that's named after but um Kiefer. i'd forgotten that that was it <laughs> <laughs> maybe it is you know yeah they do that they're kind of thing yeah they nearly finished building her and someone comes in and says, i've just found this series in the 21st century called 24 it's amazing <laughs> it goes rogue it's perfect for you oh no that's funny <laughs> Uh, also, another first contact link because this is the Phoenix, and of course, mm. the first contact ship huh? is the Phoenix as well. Yeah, that's true. That's I guess true. the writers of First Contact just must have watched these two episodes just before they wrote First Contact. <laughs> just, just, just get them all out there. I think one of the first contact writers wrote Defiant for definite. Yeah, that was a Ron Moore one. The wounded is uh, script was by Jerry Taylor, but obviously, Ron Moore thought it was very good. and you know like that's fine when they do that because yeah absolutely yeah that's part that's part of this this show actually you know Mm. is finding the the differences and the you know you can take the exact same plot and come up with two yeah i think that's a great idea yeah yeah. but uh All right, so that so an interesting round there. We have uh, Defiant has five, and the Wounded is on the board with one. One. So <laughs> let's see if we get the Wounded some more points. Let's uh, move on to the best way to talk the Renegade down. We have some good scenes about, about mm-hmm. that. Um, Rick, can you please start um, with the Defiant? With I did it again with Defiant. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, oh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know what Ross's argument is going to be. Is going to be, but I'm not sure I could justify anything being as good as singing to the captain. Um, however, um, as I watch rewatching, I'm kind of like watching Kira this time really closely, and I kind of I've, I've, I really appreciate the way that she's spending once she's on the Defiant, she's most spend most of her time telling Riker he's a bit rubbish at being a terrorist. <laughs> yeah, she's been it's a an odd line to take, isn't it? 
Yeah. I was a yeah. great terrorist. Mm, that's yeah. good. <laughs> she, like, she knows. She, this is her area of expertise. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. She's been a terrorist. She's fought Kardashians. And once she sees what he's trying to be, he's got his number. It's like, you're not a terrorist, you're Starfleet. You're, um, right. you're, you're, you're constantly going to be a victim of your own dashing and heroic nature. You're not going to be a very good terrorist. Um, and she continually tries to aggravate him. Says he's not cut out for it, he's not good at it. He is actually quite patiently explaining his plan and his reasoning. And she essentially tells him it's stupid. You know, If I had a ship like this, I wouldn't run around solving mysteries of um, shipbuilding. I'd blow up a load of stuff. Um, <laughs> but it's like, well, that's I'm a different kind of terrorist. But yeah, the, the kind that's rubbish. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and she's right every step of the way. She's 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 like she's like yeah okay maybe you could bust your way through those three ships, but the ten behind you, you know even the Defiant can't handle that. Yeah. <laughs> Did you think of that? <laughs> um. So so ultimately she picks she picks up on the real reason. So you're doing this because you want to be different to yeah. Will Riker, and you're not going to be because you're still Riker, um, and you need to think like a Starfleet officer and you need to take this chance um, and ultimately the chance to give himself up and save his crew is, is it, it, it comes through and that's what he's going to do because he's a Riker yeah so, he's inherently a good guy yeah. and he's trying to do something which he's trying to do the right thing in the wrong way but he, he's you're right to say he was so patient with her all the way through that's because he's not you know Riker very rarely gets incredibly angry because it's just not in Riker. Mm. He's trying to win someone over and explain to them what he's doing. Yeah, it, it's a good talk down because she saw right through him. Yeah, yeah, she knew exactly mm. she, who she was dealing with. She knew exactly what would work and what wouldn't. She knew that he would consider the fate of his crew as, as you know part of why he should consider taking the deal. Um, she knew that he would actually consider that. You know, some people some terrorists wouldn't you know um but she and, but she knew right away and they never mentioned I mean, the crew was never a factor with maxwell you know right. it was never never part of the what was going on he was in charge of the ship he was telling them what to do they were doing something wrong but the crew was never a factor it was always going to be him that was in trouble right but uh they were never going to you know they potentially get blown up by the cardassians but they were never going to be interred by the cardassians potentially unless gone the set had his way yeah, and and I mean, any any ends up. I mean, that is a pretty good deal that you know the ship and your crew is, is returned to Federation custody, and and you are the one. You're the only thing that you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the only casualty yeah. of your yeah. Yeah, life in the um, labor camp maybe and, not the the best end of the deal, but right. Oh my God, I can imagine a card. I mean, a Cardassian labor camp. Lord, it's that's going to be the worst. <laughs> absolutely the worst. Yeah. Yeah. But she and she yeah, she makes that promise and that care away. Like yeah. she you know that she well, I you know I promise we'll get you back or whatever she says and and normally that that means something so it's kind of bummed that the writers dr- dropped the ball on that. It would have been really great to see. I, I always like to was, yeah. I like to assume that off screen like 2 weeks later she breaks him out, brings him back to Federation yeah. space. He's arrested <laughs> and they never talk about it again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's in my head canon too. That he some uh, he somehow like escapes from the Cardassian labor camp because of course he does. Yeah, <laughs> he could do that. He's used his way past all the guards. Yeah, <laughs> him and Cedar ja- Jackson. <laughs> yes. Oh my, there's there's fanfic there. 
Because she's al- she's alive too, and <laughs> oh, she has. No, no, none of us can yeah. take the idea that she isn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, um, yeah. So, I think I think Kara's Kara did a really great mm-hmm. job in that situation. She did everything she could. She tried to sabotage the ship. You know, she tried to show him the fault in his plan, and then she tried to help him when his back was to the wall and she did and i think she did, she was great in that episode i really like that episode for kira she does it in a, in a very and kira way as well she doesn't like think okay how, yeah. how to be diplomatic or how to sort of get around his head she just walks up and says you're being stupid you're a rubbish terrorist you've got, you've got a chip <laughs> on your shoulder about will like it and get over it you idiot <laughs> So it's that beautiful Kira directness. She's got no time for mucking about. She's just like, oh, tell this guy what an idiot he's being. Yeah. Yeah, she's, oh, she's so great. Yeah. And they're so great. They're both so great together. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We need to move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so Kara does a great job. Uh, what about you, Ross, and the wounded? How do they talk the renegade down? Well, it seems to me that Captain Maxwell is talked down twice. Once yeah. unsuccessfully by Picard, <laughs> where he really tries to convince Picard that the Cardassians are priming for war, that the Quelar system is really a military supply depot. Picard gives him loads of grief about going through the proper channels, and then Maxwell accuses him of being a bureaucrat, <laughs> and that there's no Picard says there's no reason for his actions, and they talk uh, they really talk openly about the tragic events on Setlik Three as well. There's like a motivation yeah. for his actions which is, you know, a, a brave and difficult thing to talk about. But at the end of it, Picard essentially dismisses his actions, orders Maxwell to Starbase 211, which he reluctantly agrees to. And just as a side note, this talking down does not take. Because uh, <laughs> after about five minutes, he zoomed off to destroy more Cardassians. So Picard did a really good job here, but that was not the best way to talk a renegade down. No. The real talking down... It's done by O'Brien. O'Brien's already had his own moment of clarity when it comes to the Cardassians. When he was chatting in the bar with uh, the other Cardassian, they were talking about what happened on Setlick 3 and how it made him feel and the fact that he had to kill someone, he didn't like it. So he can sympathise with Maxwell about how he's been changed and how things have happened. But he doesn't say any of this. We've seen this happen. He just goes onto the ship. He outlines that facts are facts. Picard will not board the Cardassian ship. He will fire at the Phoenix. And then Miles rounds it all out with a chorus of Stompy's old ballad. Max- <laughs> Maxwell joins in. Everyone's crying. It's it's a unique and beautiful talking down and it does not feel awkward or out of place at all. I really enjoyed watching it. Watching him sing the entire song, which he sort of hummed and give, gave little uh, lines of all the way through. It was a very strange talking down, but I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, this is a really strong episode for O'Brien. Yeah. It, well, this the, with Maxwell, it is really strong. With Keiko, not as strong. No, I disagree. I 100% disagree. Really? That's the, that's the scene. The scene with Keiko is where he's, he works the stuff out oh, with himself. The, okay, yes, that scene. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking Were you the talking bre- about I'm talking about breakfast. breakfast. The, the, yeah. the infamous food issue. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about <laughs> the breakfast, man. We'll talk about the breakfast. We'll talk about that later, okay. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the, other, the one where he, he, he's 
he you know he's making her the potato casserole yeah. i guess that was their, their trade-off looks horrible uh, <laughs> I, love, I love potatoes but it yeah. look that great. these little bits they're capers like, oh, okay. um yeah um, no that was yeah. a nice scene because he really does he recognizes his own sort of where he has been deficient because he's only just come out of the turbo lift having spoken yeah. down to the Cardassian. Yeah. And now he's taking another tack, and then that's where he goes with when he's talking to the main Cardassian. So he's he's recognized his own difficulties, I think. And he's and he's thinking of, you know, you don't realize it until later, but he's thinking about his friend who died there, mm. you know, because he's singing the song when he's fixing the dinner for Keiko. And yeah. Um, and then, you know, and he works it through he works through it with her when he, you know, he's he's like, Why would anyone still feel like this? Trying to pretend that he's not talking about him. You know, he's like asking for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Why would anyone, you know, still be mad at the Cardassians? And and she kind of gives him permission to, you know, to feel what he's feeling. Like she says it's it, you know, it's kind of a normal reaction. And yeah. And he and he, he thinks about it and he, you know, and he realizes that this is still deep something that he's deeply feeling and and it, and then when he has the scene that, that you're talking about with maxwell and they there's not that much explaining no or coaxing it's no. just he's being there for maxwell and he you know he, like he's shared I that with yeah yeah i know what happened yeah we've shared this thing that no one else has shared and it's horrible and it changed both of us and but there's not, you know, but that doesn't change what the facts of the situation are. And... No, and it just sort of compounds the, the sort of the unfairness of it all that these bad things happen to them, and now they're in another bad situation. They've got to, they've got themselves to do the right thing, and it was easier for Miles to do it than it was for Maxwell to do it. But in yeah. the end, they both do do the right thing, and all it takes is a heartwarming rendition of a traditional folk ballad. <laughs> <laughs> all right okay where are we going for points wise uh rick what are you thinking points wise uh, i mean both both times ultimately the cap the um the renegade is talked down by the person who's best suited um mm-hmm. yeah because yeah that's a really good point K- kira's terrorism is the best makes her the best person to talk tom down if it had been cisco on the ship with him he'd have just shouted They'd just been shouting back and forth. They wouldn't have gone anywhere. And like it would have been similar to the to the Picard uh, Maxwell scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it takes it takes the person who understands the situation to be able to get through. Um, right. And in this case, yeah, O'Brien had experienced it with Maxwell. Maxwell was not going to dismiss him as a bureaucrat. Um, I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give my point to um, to the wounded because it is as as much as I love Kira's. Um, Kira's way with Tom and the whole Tom Kira thing is amazing. Um, I just think this is such a strong moment for O'Brien, who's been very much a background character in TNG up to this point. Um, mm-hmm. Even even to the, even even in his own wedding episode, he's kind of background. Yeah, um, it's it's, good, it's even called Data's Day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, <laughs> But yeah, this um, this this is a really strong moment. I think it's it's, it's getting moments like this in for O'Brien. It's um, is why he ends up going over to Deep Space Nine and becoming a regular. Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of without without this moment, we might not have had seven years of Deep Space Nine torturing O'Brien episodes. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, yeah, you've got to give it, and it's it's beautifully done. It's really well. It's it, that, that final moment he does the song, and the, yeah, the, the just the ev- everything just 
slumps out of Maxwell as he realizes he's gone how far he's gone and it's just you know that he has to stop now and it's it's really it's a beautiful moment so yeah giving the point to the wounded all right Ross how about you where's your point going well I mean Rick said it the, the Kira Riker moments are really fantastic and you could definitely have watched them do this a lot longer like there, there's more episodes in Kira and Riker spending time together and arguing yes. with each other about things. There's more time in that which mm. we could have watched. But for the talking down and for the sort of just the uniqueness of the moment and the sort of the the strange sort of tragic melancholy of it, I, I did really, I really felt an emotional sort of connection with Maxwell and O'Brien singing that song mm. and sharing that sort of moment of sort of recognition and difficulty together. It, it is sad and it is tragic and it, it was really heartfelt and touching and I really felt that so my point is going to go to the wounded as well <sighs> the wounded is sweep in this category for sure <laughs> similar to what you guys said I, I really love Kara in this episode the way she, she handled the situation and handled Riker but there's just something magical about um about the way they they built up the character of O'Brien here and 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 O'Brien and his ex-captain just singing this funeral dirge and knowing that it's it's you know that there's nowhere to go from here mm. you know <laughs> like the situation is just just done and they've you know and Maxwell's reached the point of acceptance at that point and you know, there's nothing but to mourn it and and move on. And it was really beautiful. So I have to give it my point. <sighs> All right. So the wounded caught up in that category pretty well. Right right now, De- Defiant has five and the wounded has four. Okay. So it's a tight race now. Some more, more upbeat topics. We must. Yeah, let's we, do a more upbeat We must one. get some, something out. <laughs> The next, the next year, so I've, I've said the word tragic about 89 times. <laughs> we're, do, we're done with the status parts of the episode. <laughs> and now we can move on. All right. So let's move on to category four. And we've been talking a lot about our dear, dear, uh, uh, what's the word? <laughs> I was going to say, I'm trying to think of an adjective for O'Brien. <laughs> Our dear put upon O'Brien. <laughs> that was much more polite than I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. So so let let's keep talking about O'Brien. Um, a great character here. Let's let's. What's our best confused O'Brien face? <laughs> great category idea, right? It is good. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's start with the wounded. Okay, uh, Ross. The Wounded, it's a cornucopia of confusion. Every time he's on the screen, it seems that he's pulling a slightly confused face. So I just picked yeah. out a couple of the highlights. Um, his face when the Cardassians actually beam aboard the Enterprise and Troy senses something from him. He's got this sort of stunned disbelief oh, on his face. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I was quite disappointed that we never got then that conversation between them about what mm-hmm. what he was sensing. 
and what she was sensing from him and what he was feeling. But we did get the conversation with him and Keiko, and we got it with him and uh, Dara, the Cardassian. But I thought it would have been nice to hear it from Troy as well and for her to recognise, oh, I feel you, I can tell you're going through something. Do you want to talk about it? Yeah. He has that sort of very brief, a little bit stunned, but that's not that's not like full O'Brien stunned. Um, he looks slightly more taken aback when Picard tells him that Maxwell has just killed over six six hundred Cardassians. He has that look on his face for about one second, but he recovers. He recovers very quickly and starts defending Maxwell instantly. So he he did have a confused face, and then he acknowledges confusion and says. There's probably a very good reason for this. So just like completely covering it over. Um, my, but it comes down to my favourite, my favourite confused face. Um, it's very early on in the cold open when he is speaking to Keiko and he's eating his breakfast and it looks delicious. And he just looks at it and he says, what is it? <laughs> And it's funny. It's funny because she's so earnestly trying to feed him something that's healthy and delicious, and you know, from her culture. He's actually quite rude about it afterwards. I thought, mm. um, but I have had this exact conversation with my wife, but the other way around, because we are from different ethnic backgrounds, and I once made her some scrambled eggs on toast. And she, this is early on, and she's like, "Well, where's the rest of it?" I was like, what, "What do you mean?" She goes, "Well, the eggs aren't spicy." I'm like. They're not supposed to be spicy. They're supposed to taste like eggs. We talk about this now every day. Whenever there's an egg comes up in conversation, you have to give it a degree of spice. I'm off on a divergence now. Um, but my favourite so confused O'Brien face, it's what is it? His breakfast face. And the answer is kelp buds, plankton loaf, and sea berries. Kelp buds, plankton loaf, and sea berries. Oh, man. It's it's a good face, but I I, wanna, I do want to say actually O'Brien has a lot of other faces that he has. He has, you know, sort of sad face. He does that quite a lot in the episode. A little remorseful face. He does a lot of smiley face when he's talking about Captain Maxwell or two people about Captain Maxwell. And then he has a sort of a sly, sly like happy time face when he's talking to Keiko at the very end of the cold open. Uh, so he has a lot of good faces. But he's predominantly confused. So it was a good shout because he definitely is confused all the way to this episode. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that does not sound appetizing to me either. <laughs> what? That's You're a- not fish? <laughs> oh, man. That does not sound ap- appealing. So I get that. I get that. Did you um, prefer, just- though, lamb shank and oh, eggs and oatmeal? Yeah. The- he said, like, what was it, like, oxtails? Or oxtails. <laughs> Scalloped potatoes, mutton shanks, oxtails and cabbage. <laughs> Scalloped potatoes, he mentions. I like that. That's For good. breakfast? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's what's... Uh, well, okay, like you said, it's not, he was being rude, but I don't think he was really being rude. No, no. I don't, he wasn't and being, I don't think... Friendly rude. Yeah, and Keiko wasn't either. She wasn't like, she, she wasn't like, eat it, you know? Oh, <laughs> I think no, a lot no. of people remember this... I think a lot of people, when they remember the scene, they they think of Keiko like, you know, being like mean to O'Brien, like serving him this. I don't think she was mean to him. Yes, yeah, but she does. She's not. She's not all. It's yeah, a, they had to both, a nice conversation. Perfectly, about, yeah, they're both perfectly right. They're both perfectly used, normal about it. Like they're yeah, both like this is yeah. what I like. 
He talks about his mum using the, not using a replicator. Yeah, and she's interested in meat. that. Yeah. Too. She's like she's like, "Oh my god, she touched real meat." And she's like so interested yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a funny corn sausage. A weird thing. Oh, funny corn sausage. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, yeah, so that scene is just it's just funny cuz like they're married at this point it just seems like a conversation they should have had yeah like have a, maybe they a while ago. maybe that was the first time they'd woken up with each other that's the first breakfast they've ever you had you know i hope not man i made your breakfast <laughs> oh thank you oh. you like kelbuzz right <laughs> <laughs> oh well that's the thing too because if you have a replicator you should be able to eat whatever you want for breakfast unless the point is you know, experience. Who's called the other person? Saru. <laughs> <Is that? laughs> he, he likes blueberries, right? <laughs> he loves blueberries. And kelp, presumably. Yeah. Oh, red kelp, right? <laughs> red kelp. It is red kelp. It is red kelp. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he is very confused by that, and, and she has an equally confused face when she gets that that nasty looking potato casserole yeah. <laughs> with the capers in it. <laughs> I don't have any ethnic foods to offer. Like, what would you like? Cornflakes? Uh, I've got some, <laughs> right. some Weetabix. Uh, I think I might have Cocoa Pops. Uh, <laughs> I've got no eth- ethnically diverse foods to offer. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, that's a good uh, confused O'Brien face. <laughs> it does not sound like something he's had for breakfast before in his entire <laughs> Irish life. <laughs> I like. Um, I like to think he gets used to it though, and actually starts to enjoy it. I don't think so. I like to think he starts the day with a pop and a kelp buds <laughs> oh. and a slice of plankton loaf. Plankton loaf. Oh man, not my not my deal. All right, that's good. Um, Rick, let's talk about your best confused O'Brien face uh, or defiant. Okay. <laughs> I mean. It, it, in line with what Ross said, I think Cole Meany has a, is an actor who's really good acting with his face. Oh, he's, he's, he's so good. He can be so expressive. This, yeah, yeah, the silent acting. Yeah. Yeah, so he can he can jump facial expressions across so quickly. <laughs> um, so, so in Defiant, he's got a really good confused face moment when he meets um, he meets Riker, and I'm doing air quotes because visual cues on an audio medium. <laughs> that's my thing. Um, but. He, he bangs his head, sits up, and there, there's there's Will Riker. He's like, he's absolutely delighted. It's really sweet. It's like, oh, it's Will Riker. I'm so happy to see him. And then Riker immediately shuts him down. He's like, I've nothing to say to you, O'Brien. I think you know why. And I'm like, I mean, obviously we we know it's it's a desperate act because Tom is a bit concerned that his charade's not going to pass muster with someone actually served with Will. So he needs to sort right. of get this guy out of the way. And O'Brien kind of just like... It's pretty clever. Yeah. But O'Brien kind of just accepts it. He sort of mumbles this thing about, oh, yes, okay, I'll go, and leaves. And then he gets out of the corridor, and he turns back to the door, and he's like, actually, I don't know why. I don't know what O'Brien <laughs> thinks to say to me. <laughs> and it's, it's just a really good moment, because it's, it's the bizarreness of how he just li- literally looks a, bit, a, little bit, a little bit stricken, wanders out, and then he just looks, I really don't know what problem is so it's it's a marvelous thing the way it goes from delight to to, to sad to confused to just absolute yeah. no idea what's going on now it's it's brilliant there's there's so much more to o'brien played out in colmini's face than in in the lines he's got it's yes. a really good moment and it yes. wouldn't have worked for anyone else other than someone he knows really well because he wouldn't have accepted that from anyone else. He'd have been getting to the bottom of it yeah. in a few minutes. Yeah. Like, what, what do you mean? I don't remember any of this. 
But because it's Riker and he is senior and they've worked together for such a long time, mm. he just accepts it and he's stunned. It is such a funny scene. <laughs> And, and when I first watched Defiant, I hadn't actually seen Second Chances, so I didn't know who Tom Riker was. Uh, so, oh. so I, I sat there going, Whoa, what happened? What happened with him? <laughs> oh my goodness, I missed an episode there. And it turns out, yes, I had, but it wasn't the episode I was thinking of. So. Yeah, there's some really good acting there, because I, I felt so bad for him in that scene. Because <laughs> you're right, at first he's so... You know, like happy to see his old, you know, his old friend that he served with. And then he gets this, like, Riker, it's so great to see you. And he gets, when he gets back and, and you can almost like see the embarrassment in the room. Yeah. 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 Just the way he acts and and the way like Carol looks like, she's trying to like look at the wall instead of like looking at his eyes. (laughs) I don't want to get involved. Oh God. The elephant in the room. What the hell happened? Oh man. So he's just like, I'm going to get the hell out out of here, you know, because I obviously, there's obviously something that I'm, you know, I'm missing, but (laughs) nothing I can do about it. Commander. I'd heard you were aboard, but I I hadn't. There's nothing to say to you, O'Brien. I think you know why. Oh, maybe we should come back another time. No, 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 Major, it's all right. I was just leaving. Commander. What was all that about? It's a long story. I'd rather not get into it. Let's take a look at this ship of yours. And um, I, and I thought that was a, it was a pretty clever way to get rid of for him to get rid of O'Brien too. Yeah, yeah. completely know? cuts him off. It doesn't. Yeah. It's not even like we'll talk about it. It's that you did it. That's it. We're done. Right. Mm. I have nothing to say to you. Yeah. Because otherwise, he'd probably want to show off the defiant. Yeah. Have a chat. With, with maybe have a drink. Have play some yeah. darts. It, yeah. no. <laughs> and it's nice they addressed it because they could have just had him not run yeah. into O'Brien, and it never yes. doesn't play out. But they did have to actually have a moment. So they could address that. I think I'd have been really disappointed if that hadn't happened. Mm. If, yeah, me too. If they said at the very yeah. beginning, oh, O'Brien's off on Earth. He's you know doing something at the academy. Uh, that would have been it. Would you know they've missed this perfect moment, yeah. which is so well done. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm glad they chose to address it instead of just you know ignoring it, like you said. Because he did. He he had to do that several times. He had to do that with Dax, you know, but. This was this was the one. Yeah, this was someone who really knew him. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it was a nice way to acknowledge too that O'Brien was part of, you know, the other. Yeah. <laughs> part of the Enterprise crew and and nice way to do that. Yeah. And, yeah. It creates that and, whole and, shared universe. Yeah. Dynamic. Yes. Shared universe. Exactly. <laughs> and and it's it's funny too because the other the episode, you know, the wounded it was so O'Brien heavy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then this one was, Riker, was like Riker this Light. one embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, and Riker yeah. Light. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like they thought if we're going to remake the wounded, what really works? Did O'Brien work? <laughs> nah, I'll tell you what works. Mark Alimo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I want it back. Don't change a thing. Just take oh, that thumb funny. off his head. Right. Yeah. right. Oh, that's so funny. All right. All right, so points-wise, which O'Brien's getting your point, Ross? I think I'm going to... I love all the confusion that he presents with in The Wounded, and I love 
I love how he looks. His face is brilliant and very expressive. But in in Defiant, in the Defiant, it's it serves a purpose because it actually it shows you that something is amiss, that something is wrong. It's not just a case of he's talking and we see some confusion. This is made to make you think actually something is different to what I know, what I remember. Maybe this isn't what I think I know. And I really like that because they didn't, as you said, they didn't have to do it, but it was really great that they did and they did it so cleverly and so fun. You know, it was a very funny scene. Mm -hmm. Um, And that it wasn't discussed again because I wonder what, when O'Brien found out about this, I often think, I wonder what he said. I wonder what he's like. I knew it. I knew I hadn't done anything to Riker. I knew. I knew there was nothing. I'd never insulted his breakfasts. I'd never, I'd never walked out of his trombone recitals. I knew there was nothing that happened. Um, so, and I just, I think it's very funny. So, I'm going to give my point to Defiant. Okay, uh, Rick, how about you? Uh, I'm going to have to go for Defiant um, again. This one, it's it's O'Brien's. It's actually O'Brien's doesn't have a lot to do in this episode. Um, so, for a very tiny appearance, it, it, it's an amazing scene for him. It's really it, it, it always sticks with me. Um, even after I realised that this who Tom Riker was, I always wondered actually is he just generally a bit cross of uh, O'Brien because he's got a thing about transporters after what happened to him. <laughs> he's got a chip on his shoulder. <laughs> I started looking really oh deeply into it. If if there is a bit of like a Tom Riker resentment to people who operate transporters. <laughs> He never ever gets to the transporter. He always takes the shuttle. He goes full McCoy. Yeah. He never gets on a transporter pad. It's not happening again. <laughs> and, and, until he beams back over to the Cardassian ship to start a, a sentence on a labour camp. So yeah, it's not going to help. Yeah. But he'll always be thinking, maybe I've got a double somewhere that didn't beam across to the Cardassian yeah. labour camp. Oh my god. <laughs> that's why Kira never wants to get him out in his mind. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is savage. This fan fiction is really awful. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. All right. Um, yeah, this is, this, is, this is a tough one for me because I, I really I get a kick out of that uh, breakfast scene. <laughs> But I just, I just think it's a. I, but I think the defiant one is just a clever way to, uh, to to acknowledge the fact that O'Brien was part of TNG, and I, I thought it was funny and embarrassing, and I like it. So mm. defiant, me too. Man, all right. So we only got one round left, guys. How we doing? Going into the final round, we have Defiant has eight and the Wounded has four. (gasps) Well, at least we can make it respectable. We can make it respectable. That's what we're we're going for here (laughs) in the final round. (laughs) And the final round's a good one. This is is a good one. This is, final round is the best Mark Alimo Cardassian. (laughs) (laughs) He plays a Cardassian in both of these episodes. Uh, Rick, please give us your best Mark Alimo <laughs> in Defiant. Uh, okay, so I decided on Descartes. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice. Yeah. Tell me more. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> Took me a while to reach that conclusion, but uh, in the end, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to try and get into full. Obviously, Descartes has a massive arc through through Deep Space Nine. I'm just looking at him solely in the context of this episode. 
Um, okay. It's it it does show an awesome gauntlet of Ducat reactions that he runs through. Um, yeah. He's initially we first see him in the meeting room with Cisco and Odo, and he's bored, uninterested, just fiddling with his bottle of canar um, until he realizes that. Um, the Marquis have stolen the best warship in the in the quadrant and has gone and um, are going into his space, and then he puts on. He's like initially he's like horrified, and then he goes into slightly quite affronted. It's like, well, you've you've really upset me with this sort of thing in that marvelously <laughs> cut way he has. Um, I, then they, there's this beautiful moment. He starts describing the scenario, how this is going to play out. The central command are going to see this as a reason to go and tackle the Marquis full on. They're going to send fleets into the, the, militari the militarized zone. Um, and then obviously the Federation are going to have to respond in kind. They'll send fleets. When those fleets meet, it's going to go to war. Um, but it's full on like Descartes. Why, why say it in 10 words when 40,000 will do? So it's, <laughs> it's epic, unnecessarily long description in that, in that brilliant way. And it's a joy to watch. As he's sort of striding around the room, saying, "This will happen, and then these will happen." Oh, it's 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 amazing to cut speechifying. So it's a marvel. But it's great because he's so, he's so silver-tongued, and mm. this is what he's really good at: bolstering and building up Cardassian power. This is what's going to happen because we're such an amazing organization. We will do all of these amazing things, which would be just the right thing to do. It's absolutely what he would do. Mm. It, it's so perfect. And he's so convincing because Cisco's right there. Cisco believes him. Yeah. He understands that that is what's going to happen. Uh, it, it's a really, really fun scene to watch him get progressively more annoyed that he has to deal with it. Yeah. And um, then when he takes Cisco back to Cardassia, you can see him taken into his big old control room. He's, he's really proud. He's like showing off. It's like, oh, from this room, and then this obsidian order woman turns up. Bam. Ducat is not in control anymore. She she's come up. She's got she basically now the order of breathing down his neck, and she's doing a great job of out smugging Ducat. And yeah. it winds him up so much. And it's lovely to see Ducat taken down a peg or being wound up. Um, we already mentioned the bit where she says, "Oh, I wondered if you were going to tell us about the cloaking device." Like, you knew he's got he, he's got he does have he has no shield for her. He's yeah. no, that's it. He should he should have really styled that out. Mm. He should definitely have been yeah. like. You know, I know. We all knew. No, no big deal. <laughs> yeah. here. So I think I think this episode exemplifies so many moods of Descartes, from bored to smug to oh, just all over the place. Um, and, and the final bit with, that's really good with him is when he goes on about his son's birthday. He's going to miss it. Going, he's not going to be able to take him to Lacarian City. And Cisco thinks, oh, we can have a little bit of a a, far, um, a bonding over you know father moments yes. here. Uh, but no, Descartes actually put on a guilt trip on him. It's like, oh, no, it's, he's going to think, Starfleet guys ruined my birthday and invaded my home, and he'll be angry and hate-filled. <laughs> that's, that's it, isn't it? They're, they're both, yeah. They both have such similarities in their life, their position, what they're trying to do for their own sort of societies and peoples, but they have that fundamentally different outlook on the same thing. Because mm. you can yeah. see Cisco's like, we can talk about this, because I know exactly what you're going through. And we'll talk about what my son does and what your son does, and we'll bond here. But Dakar just ramps it up to the next level. He makes it really uncomfortable to watch yeah. that scene. Mm -hmm. It's really well done by Marco Limo. Um, and you just see the, the, the difference in his perspective. 
that's it. That's played out. They're so similar, but they're also miles apart as well. Yeah. Really well done that bit. Yeah. So yeah, those are my um, those are my awesome Descartes moments for that episode. Wow. Okay, they were good moments. Um, for the wounded, my Mark Alima moment. Um, he plays Gul Masset of the Traeger. Obviously, the first thing we should acknowledge is his amazing facial hair. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure what that style is called. I don't know what that would be. That's like the tail end of the mutton chops. Yeah. And like a Brian's breakfast. <laughs> Almost expected to rip them off the same way Tom Riker ripped all his. Stuff. He just left some behind. Yeah. <laughs> then bits were too stuck. Um. And his headwear as well, which is, I don't know if the Cardassians wear those very often, oh, yeah. but I thought they were great, and I'd definitely like to see them make a comeback. Um, <laughs> as Gulmaset, he is threatening and sly, and he has that overblown concept of his own abilities. And I'll be honest, he's not unlike another Cardassian, which we've already discussed <laughs> not a million miles away. Um, his best moment is... I think his best moment is his transponder code power play. And he, he, all the way through, he is calm and quite logical. And he used this almost sort of anti-diplomacy. And he insists Picard release the transponder codes of the Phoenix so that the Cardassian warship can disable its shields. And it's not... It, it's, a, it's an intellectual battle. He and Picard are discussing the right way to manage this situation. And everything, every time Picard throws up something, he has a way around it. Every time Picard says we should do it like this, Massette says we should do it like that. And at the end, Picard almost unwillingly insists that Worf send the Cardassian warship the transponder codes of the Phoenix, knowing full well that they could then disable the Phoenix's shields. He doesn't want to do it, but he's been outplayed in a sense by Massette, but also by the circumstances that Maxwell has put them in. Um, and it's a great moment where he he gets one over on Picard. His triumph is short-lived because the Phoenix immediately destroys the warship and then a transport. And actually, Mustet looks genuinely distressed. And it's hard to know whether that distress is because he's done a he's done a bad job or because of the loss of life, or both. <clears throat> but uh, surely he would say, you know, I'm distressed because of the loss of life, no matter what. But who knows his motivations? But it was a really a really Ducat moment in Musset's uh, mm-hmm. styling. You just see where this character came from. He's really good as Musset. And then, can you do that again? We'll take the sideburns away. I mean, this is where this is where he becomes Ducat, I suppose. If they called him Golden Cat, we could have kept him the same character. And, and that he's the very first Cardassian we ever see. Yeah. Is he, the, is he the very first one? Yeah. The very first one, yeah. This was the inaugural uh, <laughs> Cardassian episode. And, He's and great. He did, yeah, he, he immediately makes them a threatening species in the way that the Ferengi never were. Right. Yeah, he does a really good job of um, the, the thing. The, he, like, radiates. Um, he radiates, I would say, like a, a a bit of a sinister motivation in anything he's doing, you know, but also someone who like really plays his cards close to his hand, 
you know, you don't know, you're not really Never sure. Go either. He, he, yeah. He's always trying to point score in the conversation, always trying to get one over. Yeah. And when he doesn't score the point, he just immediately moves on to the next point. He doesn't yeah. stop yeah, to oh, acknowledge yeah, his blocker is failing. Yeah. Always on to the next point. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Mm. Oh, so, yeah, Mark Limo has gold the set. Mark Limo. I can see why they wanted him back. Mm-hmm. Gold to cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, points-wise, Rick. Um, I kind of wanted to give it to Massette because no. he, like you say, he's the first one. He's the template, and everything springs from his portrayal here, where we say, like, oh, he's so... he's. Being so like Descartes, Descartes being like him because he was the first, he was the prototype yeah. yeah. the original. Absolutely. And if I'm on, I remember. I, don't ask me where, but I remember reading years ago that the reason it was that the Cardassians were the the featured alien um, race on Deep Space Nine was because um, they're originally going to go for the Romulans, and then some. I think one of the producers said, "Oh, we've had a lot of Romulans lately. Is there anyone else?" And they said, "What about the Cardassians?" They went from there. And if it wasn't for the way Mark Alimo played Masset here, I don't think they would have gone for the Cardassians. So we've only yeah, got to cut because of Masset. To my mind. So I kind of have to give it I have to give it to the original and the, the, the template, the, uh, the the first Cardassian and the one that blazed the trail for, for Ducat to come after. I like it. I, I really like your reasoning there. <laughs> yeah. You blaze the trail. It is, yeah. <laughs> Even if they did lose the helmet. There's <laughs> some kind of weird interface with the, with their ship, I guess. Like, <laughs> like mental, like controlling or something. Mm. Um, it's a style choice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could just be a style choice. All right, um, Ross, where's your point going? I. Mark Alimo is an excellent Cardassian. So no matter no matter where the point goes, I feel like Mark Alimo earns the point either way. Yeah. Um, That's a way to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> this is a celebration he, of Mark Alimo category. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, I do love I do love him in in the Defiant, and he is he's he's everything to count in the Defiant. He's threatening. He is uh, sort of timid. He's talked down to, he shouts. You get the entire range of emotions. But you do also get that in Gulmer set. And I do think, as the first presentation of a Cardassian, the template of the Cardassian, and the maybe not the most popular Cardassian, because we get Garak and everybody loves Garak, but as the Cardassian, everybody knows. It's it's him, isn't it? It's Mark Alimo. So a point a point to Gulmer set as the uh, as the first Cardassian. All right. I love that, guys. I'm going to switch it up, though, and give my point to Nicole Ducat here. Uh, because I feel like his his performance as Ducat in, the, in Defiant um, is kind of a little bit like foreshadowing to how the character of Ducat kind of grows and breaks down yeah. in later episodes. Because you see such a range of emotions here uh, in in Gold Ducat that I think I think up to this point it, you haven't seen as much. You know what I mean? Like like he, it, you see him lose his cool 
you see him you know be under someone's foot you know with the obsidian order and you see him try to be human's not the word <laughs> in this situation that <laughs> will have a that kind of conversation like with cisco with with you know they're both fathers and mm-hmm. you learn a little bit more about him here but the way he the, the cold way he he goes about that you, yeah. see, you know what i mean like this is all um preludes to to how that character devolves throughout the rest of the series yeah and I, I think it's a really neat per- performance um in the history of gold ducat and and yeah i totally get what you guys are saying um and i think i think he they you know he took that that amazing performance he had in the wounded and just like totally totally ran with it and and built on it and created one of one of the one of the my favorite villains in star trek yeah so, absolutely one yeah. of the villains. yeah so all right that's it so our final final tally final tally uh the wounded has six and defiant has nine so that's a respect respectable scores respectful (laughs) i think if we'd chosen a different emotion for o'brien's face things could have been very different (laughs) (laughs) we've gone for happy or sad but he did confuse so well <laughs> he, yeah no confused was the best um it could have gone the other way then oh this is this is kind of how i feel about the episodes i i, I enjoyed defiant more a little bit more than the wounded but i think i'm probably just being a homer because no, I, think think so. I, I think it takes it takes the theme right of the wounded and just yeah. ramps it up to the next level by throwing in characters you already know and by making it part of a longer continuity that's clever that really works yeah you know because you find out about the obsidian order you find out about thomas Riker. these things you know this is massive mm. whereas the wounded is good but it's it's been built upon by the defiant so fair fair's fair all right what do you guys think any anything any other um comments about these episodes or anything else you'd want to talk about that we missed did you did you do your tiebreaker, tiebreaker, Rick? Did you come up with a tiebreaker? Um, I, I did. I did. Yeah, we, didn't we say best tactical map? Yeah, uh, I wrote two cents. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell real, us about your best tactical map. <laughs> real real time visual has sound effects. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it explodes when the when the when the warship exploded. It went. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. that's really that's nice. Yeah. But I'm yeah. glad they did. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad someone took the time to animate that. Yeah. <laughs> We're creating this map, <laughs> this user interface for this map. Yeah. I think I think in, in Defiant, I really appreciate. It. You see, you see an establishing shot of that control room, and there's a screen at the end. Later on, you see Avery Brooks green screened against the screen. They've made it much bigger to look more impressive. But it's uh, yeah. oh really? I didn't notice that. Yeah. I didn't notice that either. I'll go back. That's yeah. funny. But it looks quite large and impressive, and I, do, I, I think the tiny animated ships just look adorable. There. They are. Yeah, they were, good. they were great, actually. That was very much like a video game map, wasn't it? Yeah, that, that yeah. 90s video game. Uh, I've like... written in my note, it's like an early 90s PC game, but one I would yeah. love to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that is a great thing to say. <laughs> I love it. 
<laughs> and I'm in full agreement. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the old like we used to play like Command and Conquer. Do you guys remember Command and Conquer? Yeah. Is it yeah? Like, My brother's a big gamer, but I've had a couple of games. Yeah. It's uh, the fog of war. <laughs> And not being very good after, you know, not instantly good after 10 minutes of stopping. That's, that's my experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I also really like the um, the Obsidian Order lady. Mm. I can't remember her name. Yeah. I should have written it down, but but that was cool to see. It's cool It's cool to see two factions. It's always, I always enjoy seeing more than one faction within a an alien species, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and that was <laughs> so need to do that either but it yeah. really ramped the pressure yeah. up on that and it made it so yeah. much more interesting because he's getting pushed to do something that perhaps he necessarily doesn't want to do either mm-hmm. but he's now getting forced to doing something and it's you know it was it's really dramatic and it worked really well yeah yeah um and she that was the same actress who played um rachel garrett wait what no. how did i not know Ooh. this is that true yeah yeah oh my god you just blew my mind. How did I not know that? Oh, I'm gonna oh go and and rewatch it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love her. Yeah, I always I was like, oh my goodness, that's that's good. Yeah, I remember ages ago thinking she's yes, familiar, her. and I had to look it up, and I was like, oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, good call, uh, Rick. Wow. Yeah, did not that's see that. Great. Oh no! Wonder she was so good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Looks, I mean, as a as a Cardassian in fairness, she looks completely different, which yeah, you would expect. It's hard to. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would not have picked that out. Well, under wow. that blue spoon, you can't really tell who it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love that little blue. You know, they color it blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's a female Cardassian. <laughs> that is so weird, isn't it? okay all right all right well that's it for this round right. this episode that was, that was that was good that was a good uh really good uh comparison rick thank you so much for thinking of it oh no it's loads of fun two episodes were utterly perfect to watch together <laughs> yeah. and definitely watch them in order watch watch the wounded yeah. and then watch the client that mm-hmm. works so nicely yeah, and yeah so just, just pull through so really great choice and great uh great categories as well yeah (laughs) all right good now that we've finished with the old business on to the new time to hand out next month's story assignments ritterhouse we're waiting okay friends and neighbors let's see what uncle roy has for you today and on the next episode of Snap Trek, we are going to be overrun with some cuddly fun. <laughs> because I think we all need a break <laughs> uh, from everything that's going on. So we're, we're just going to have a good time and get, uh, get lost under uh, some triples here. We'll be, we'll be comparing the trouble with triples versus trials and tribulations. Oh. Perfect, lighthearted fare. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need we need some uh, glorious, some good, good old fashioned um, Star Trek comedy fun with cute yeah. little troubles. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that that's it. Um, 
Thank you so much, Rick, again, for, for coming on. We really appreciate it. Tell everyone again um, how can they can contact you and your podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm on Twitter at TrekFanRick, and my podcast is on Twitter at 10Backward. Um, and thanks so much for having me on. It's been absolutely fantastic. A genuine pleasure, mm. Rick. Absolutely. Yes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you listening, and we hope you all are uh, are staying safe out there. And uh, we'll, we will talk to you next time. <laughs> and that's a Royal Fisman. There you are. Potato casserole. A dish fit for kings. The minstrel boy to the What's that you're singing? What? Oh, it's just an old song. A bunch of us used to sing it together on the Rutledge. I hadn't thought about it in years. What's it about? Oh, it's about war and glory. The minstrel boy to the war is gone. In the ranks of death you will find him. His father's sword he hath girded on, and his wild harp slung behind him. Captain Maxwell always liked that song. I guess it's all this business about him and the Cardassians brought it back to me. You know, sitting with the staff this morning, I could tell there were people in that room who still don't like the Cardassians. I imagine that's to be expected. Do? Sure, the war lasted a long time. That takes its toll on people. What are these little dark things? Capers. But the fighting's over now. Why should anyone still feel however they feel? You fought the Cardassians, didn't you? Well, there were some skirmishes when I was with Captain Maxwell. Well, how do you feel about them? Me? I feel fine. I mean, the war's over now. <laughs>